Hey, hey, welcome to the Late Night Sports Podcast with your host, Cody Shook. Thank you, as always, for tuning in on iTunes, SoundCloud. I really appreciate it. I know I'm not able to do a show as often as I really, really want to. Um, Gotten busy here lately with work and things like that and um, just added a new job. It's just it's just time is crazy right now. Um, trying to do the podcast as often as possible. Uh, but I think we've got a great show for you here on November 14th, episode number 36. I mean, we haven't had one. Uh, we've only been having them like once a week for the past like three weeks, and we're already to episode number 36. We've got some breaking news as always. College football the past week and the upcoming week. We've got some question marks in college football. We've got NFL on the docket, we've got NBA, NHL, and then we've got one of our last NASCAR interviews with our NASCAR insider, Jake Flatley, towards the end of the show. You're not going to want to miss that if you know anything about NASCAR. If you don't know anything about NASCAR, um, it's, it's, it's great to talk to somebody that really, really knows what they're talking about, um, has stats and facts on deck, and is, is able to just uh, throw it all out there and, and tell us what we, what we need to know for this upcoming race in Homestead, Miami for the championship. It's championship weekend in NASCAR. But first, we're going to start off with some breaking news here. And it just broke um, within the past 48 hours, 72 hours. And the Houston Astros have been caught red-handed. They were caught cheating in previous games, especially in World Series games, uh, most notably in the 2017 World Series and um, against the Dodgers. And there's so much about this that is fascinating because, you know, obviously it's baseball and people cheat constantly. Uh, not cheat, but you look you look for that extra edge. And, and, and there's a reason why uh, when catchers are out there and, and the pitchers are looking to for the sign, the catcher puts down more than one, two, three signs. So that way, if there is a guy at second base, the other team can't relay those signs to their own hitter and help them out. There are there there are so many nuances nuances in baseball that um, you always try to make sure that the other team cannot get any advantage on you. Here is what they were doing: they were having some sort of relay from their center field camera that would look in, see the opposing team's catcher putting down signs. Whenever there was a changeup, there would be a loud bang from the dugout signaling to the hitter that was at the plate one of the one of the big hits was George Springer 0-2 pitch he knows exactly what's coming and he puts the ball into orbit like a 600 foot home run like a monster shot that's not your typical 0-2 swing and you know a lot of people have been commenting on it and it makes a lot of sense that's uh, there was some cheating going on. I'm totally okay with relaying signs and and picking up things. If you know guys about to steal from first to second because you picked up the third base coach's signs, that's okay. I'm fine with that. But when you use the center field camera to relay to your dugout, that's an unfair advantage because the other team cannot see what you're seeing. If the third base coach is putting out signs, all 40,000 fans can see what he's putting out there. But 
if you were the only per, uh, team able to see the the center field camera, relay it to your dugout, bang on the, a trash can, a dugout, whatever it is, then your guys can lay off that pitch. If you know a changeup's coming, uh, and you hear the bang, you're laying off. You're waiting till you get your fastball. What you want? Because changeups are most often in the lower part of the zone, and they're not pitches that you can elevate unless they're left up. So you lay off those pitches and you go with the fastball in better counts. I don't like this. There's really nothing. Really, this sparks because uh, a former pitcher for the Astros, who no longer is with the Astros, came out and said it. I don't like that either because he got his World Series ring. He's he's fine. He's happy. And he's he's somewhere else. I don't like that. You're not with the Astros anymore. What happens in the the clubhouse, in the locker room, whatever, stays in the locker room. That's how I've that's how I've always been taught in a, in a baseball mentality. You don't let that leave the locker room, whether they're cheating or not. Whatever it is, you keep that with you. Um, it's unfortunate. I think it needed to, it needed to surface because that's unacceptable. I don't like that. That is straight up cheating. Stealing signs is one thing. Using the center field camera that both teams do not have access to, that is cheating. There are splits like you wouldn't believe with these players, Jose Altuve, George Springer, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, when they're at home and when they're on the road. When they're able to access that center field camera, the splits were insane. Like guys batting 330 at home, batting 100 on the road. That just doesn't happen because, oh, the other teams, the other fans are cheering against me. That just doesn't happen in a big sample size. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe that they would, uh, they would really do something like that. And the Yankees were really unhappy about it. Um, that they lost to the Yankees in that, in that year, um, 2017. And it, it just, it's, it's really unfortunate, uh, that that would have to surface. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but you can clearly hear it in some of the videos, the, the loud banging from coming from the dugout on changeups and not from fastballs. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but I just wanted to, uh, that had to lead off the show because I had a, uh, a little bit to say about that. Gabe Kapler was named the next manager for the San Francisco Giants. If you watched the interview, the um, it was weird. It was really weird. Uh, Gabe Kapler just co- managed for the Philadelphia Phillies coming over to San Francisco, and it was weird because it was supposed to be like a celebration of a new coach, a new a new era. Bruce Bochy's gone. You're you're starting over fresh with Gabe Kapler, and it was really solemn. It was depressing. It didn't seem very upbeat. It didn't seem energetic. Uh, it was not. It was weird. Uh, we'll see what uh, comes from that. But uh, Gabe Kapler, new manager for the San Francisco Giants. The latest college football playoff poll is out. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, and then some more MLB awards being uh, thrown out there. Coming out, the you know, uh, managers of the year, Davey Martinez not winning it. You win the World Series, you don't you start the season off so poorly, 19 and 31. You don't you come back and you don't win the manager of the year. The St. Louis Cardinals manager won it, and the Tampa Bay Rays manager won the uh manager of the year. It's just that's weird to me. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't see how that makes sense. Uh, how is it not? 
you know, the, the managers that take their team the furthest or, you know, t- biggest turnaround season or something like that. Um, and then we had Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander winning the AL and NL Cy Young Awards. Uh, Justin Verlander was, uh, he won his previous Cy Young Awards seven years ago, which is the furthest in between Cy Young Award winners. So, um, Pretty cool to show longevity like that for Justin Verlander. We obviously saw him throw a no-hitter this year. He pitched really well during the regular season. Not so much in the postseason, but still, I mean, he is a very talented uh, core pitcher that they have down there in Houston. And then Jacob deGrom winning the Cy Young back-to-back years. He is I, sometimes you look at him and you're like, how do how does anybody hit this man? He is really good. He's got filthy stuff, and he gets a lot of strikeouts, doesn't give up a lot of runs. He'd have a lot more wins, but the Mets just can't score for him. It, it but that was a kind of kind of um I think it was a two person, three person race on both sides, AL and NL. I think it was Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander for the AL, and then I think Strasburg Degrom for the NL. So that is all we've got for the breaking news today. So let's start with college football this past week. So what happened, uh, we're here on Thursday, and what happened uh, over the past week or so? Well, LSU went into Tuscaloosa and took down Alabama, and it didn't even really feel close. It, it felt like LSU was all over them the entire time. LSU got the win, 46-41, and they just looked dominant. And Alabama, you know, Tua coming off that ankle surgery, uh, ankle injury, he missed a game, there was a bye week, and uh, he just didn't, he wasn't able to run. He started limping. The backup quarterback had to start warming up, but Tua stayed in. Tua did well. They just, uh, some, they costed, they had some costly penalties throughout the game. They misfired a few times. And it just, it didn't seem like Alabama football to me. But, you know, somebody had to lose that game, and it was really close, but Alabama dropped a few spots after uh, losing at home to LSU. Minnesota over Penn State, 31-26. Penn State was undefeated at the time, ranked number four in the college football playoff poll, and now they have slipped down a little bit. Minnesota jumps up big with the win. Minnesota still undefeated in the, uh, overall and in the Big Ten, which is impressive. Wisconsin over Iowa, 24-22. Iowa big test this week. Texas over Kansas State, 27-24. Just as Kansas State was really starting to hit their stride and make their mark, they lose to Texas. Virginia Tech beats Wake Forest, 36-17. Wake Forest was in the top 25, no longer um, in the top 25. They've got a big game this weekend against Clemson, and it's no longer a ranked game. So that's unfortunate for Clemson. USC over Arizona State, 31-26. Oklahoma over Iowa State here, 42-41. Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts, I don't know what's going on there, but that's a game you've got to win by two, three touchdowns if you want to be taken seriously. And all of a sudden, Oklahoma is not being taken seriously. They're down at number 10 in the top 25. And, you know, they've only got that one loss to Kansas State. And it makes no sense to me because Kansas State's playing really well. Kansas State was ranked. But Georgia, Georgia lost to an unranked South Carolina team, a South Carolina team that just lost to App State. And Georgia's number four in the country. But Oklahoma's number 10. Both have one loss. Georgia, their biggest win came against uh, Notre Dame. 
the committee loves Notre Dame. And if Notre Dame is undefeated, if Notre Dame has one loss, if Notre Dame has two losses, they're somehow magically in it. If you beat Notre Dame, you're magically in it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I just don't. Oh, why is Notre Dame, join a conference, have a, a championship game at the end of the year before you come talk to me. Makes no sense at all. So that was this past week. There was, you know, some upsets. Obviously, Alabama and Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin-Iowa was a big game. Virginia Tech over Wake Forest. Texas over Kansas State. Really good games. Really good games as we're coming down to the final home stretch here. And let's talk about the top 25 rankings that came out on Tuesday night. A little bit of a shakeup throughout. Um, LSU 1. Ohio State 2. Clemson 3. Georgia 4. Alabama 5. Oregon 6, Utah 7, Minnesota 8, Penn State 9, Oklahoma 10, Florida 11, Auburn 12, Baylor undefeated 13, 14 Wisconsin, 15 Michigan, 16 Notre Dame, 17 Cincinnati, 18 Memphis, 19 Texas, 20 Iowa, 21 Boise State, 22 Oklahoma State, 23 Navy, 24 Kansas State, and 25 App State. So the biggest question marks in my mind I mean, we could go through this top 25 all day if you really want. The biggest question marks, why are they Why are they where they are? I think for me, it has to be um, Georgia at four. Why? But Alabama has one loss. Georgia has one loss. Alabama lost to the number one team in the country by five points. By five points. Georgia lost to South Carolina. And Georgia is ranked above Alabama. Georgia lost at home. So you, you got to take that out, out of the equation, right? Have to. I like Oregon at six. I like Utah at seven. Minnesota undefeated. They did play at home and they did beat Penn State. It was a very close game. It was a five-point game. And uh, Penn State nine, Oklahoma ten. I want to see. Well, that I mean, this is that's tough though. I think by the end of it, Oklahoma is going to be higher up. I think Penn State's going to be lower because Penn State will lose most likely, most likely to Ohio State. So Penn State's going to drop out of that. Oregon, if they Oregon or Utah, if one of them wins wins out and wins the Pac twelve, I want to see one of those teams in there. I just don't think it will happen. Clemson right now at three, I think um, they're undefeated. Uh, how do you argue against that? You can't, absolutely cannot. Uh, they they play really well. They have a, a very talented team. And unfortunately for them, the, their strength of schedule is just not there. That's not really their fault. They don't, the, the players do not schedule their games. If they beat every team that they play and they run over them every team, well, I mean, that's awesome. That's It's great. Um, and we, we want to see the best play. But what happens, you got a team like UCF, they did the same thing. Their strength of schedule, I mean, they were playing low-tier teams. The ACC is down. The ACC is weak. That's not Clemson's fault. So you, I can go either way with this. Um, Clemson, where was their out-of-conference schedule? Well, they played Notre Dame, uh, 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 excuse me, Texas A&M, but Texas A&M got smoked by Alabama. 
Texas A&M has like four losses right now. That's not quality. And they played them at home. I could go either way with this. You could you could go revert back to last year. Yeah, they, they haven't lost a game. Why would you? I, I say it with the um, the Patriots all the time. The Patriots are the best until they're knocked off. They were the Super Bowl champions. They are the best. Well, Clemson, they are the best until they're proven not to be. Right? Well, it, it's just very tough because uh, here's another, here's a different argument. Alabama was not battle tested. Right or wrong? Right. They, they hadn't played any big teams. And they, they hadn't played a Florida, Auburn, a Georgia yet. LSU had played teams like that. They had played Texas. They had played Florida. They were ready for that. Alabama was not. What happens when Clemson, not battle-tested, plays a top team? And they're not battle-tested. They're not ready. And they get waxed. Then it just looks like a wasted game. And it, it seems like a wasted uh, waste of our time. But they also might, I mean, they've been there before. They know what they're doing. So I could see it either way. Um, I, I like them at three. I think that they'll probably stay in there. They win the ACC championship. They deserve to be in there, right? I think eventually it's going to come down to the power five and maybe power five plus one uh, in the playoffs. I think it needs to be, right? Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, SEC. These are your conferences, right? Okay, and then add another one. And I would like to see that type of playoff format. I would really like that. If you win the championship in your, your conference, you're in. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I I see Baylor. Oh, man, Baylor's a tough one. Baylor's got a tough game this week. Baylor is playing against Oklahoma. If Oklahoma wins that, I think Oklahoma jumps Penn State and either jumps Utah or Oregon, and Oklahoma finds themselves in the top seven. If Baylor wins that game, I think they find themselves right next to Minnesota somewhere. It's right in that 7-8 range because you know that somebody's going to drop out if you've got two undefeated teams left that are like the, the not top teams. You know what I'm saying? Like you, Every year you expect Ohio State to be in there. Every year you expect Georgia to be in there. But you don't expect Minnesota or Baylor to be in there even though they're in those Power 5 conferences. Anybody uh, past... 14, Wisconsin, no shot. Michigan, no shot. Notre Dame, no shot. See you next year. If you're 13 this this week, if you're 13 or above, I think you have a chance at making the playoff. A chance. You're not going to, but you have a chance. If if you got, you got a team like Baylor, if they win out and they win the Big 12, and they've got a chance. If Wisconsin wins out, they don't have a chance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A lot can change this week. Um, if any team in the top 10 loses, there's no chance. If any team in the top 10 loses this week, no chance that they make the playoff. I think Florida, it, they're a really good team. They're sitting right there at 11. They are a very good team, but I don't think this year is their year. Maybe next year. They're going to have a lot of hype going into next year and i think they've got a chance but right now i don't see it um they've lost a couple games here and and i just um i I don't i don't foresee them making a playoff push here it's just gonna be too tough for them with what's in what's ahead of them in the standings right now how many of the 
current top four teams will still be in at the very end of the year. We've got LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4. This is tough. LSU to make it? I think they have to win out. Even Okay. If they win out but lose in the SEC championship game, I think they still make it. If they lose a regular season game with three left, it'll make it tougher because you've got Alabama and Georgia right there. Right there. And the committee loves Alabama. Ohio State, they've got games against Penn State and Michigan. That's two more ranked games against number 9 and 15. If they win both of those but lose in the Big Ten championship game, I think they get in. If they lose one of those and lose the Big Ten championship game, they don't get in. And then we could see the place go haywire because Ohio State wouldn't be in, Penn State wouldn't be in, Michigan wouldn't be in. So no Big Ten school, in my mind, would be represented. I don't think Minnesota gets in. It's just so it's just too tough. And I don't want to see Minnesota go up against Alabama in a college football playoff setting it doesn't that's not good tv that's not good that's not good football so when it comes down to it the top four right now i think two of those teams make it to the college football playoff i think clemson makes it and i think i think a one loss or no loss lsu makes it I, in my head, in my mind, the four teams I want to personally see, this is solely off of the way they play, solely off of the way I've seen them play against good teams. Um, Even though Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, I would like to see LSU. I said this from the very beginning of the season. Even though I picked Texas, for, I picked Texas to make it, to the college football playoff because their schedule was a little bit easier and I thought they were going to be able to run the table with Sam Ellinger. They were unable to do that. I did not pick LSU because of their schedule and how difficult it really was. I would like to, because of the way I've seen LSU play, no matter what, I want to see LSU. I would like to see Alabama because they are, they, I mean, they lost by five points. It was a really good game. Give me Tua at 100%. I think it's a little bit closer of a game. Give me LSU. Give me Alabama. I want to see Jalen Hurts in there. I want to see Oklahoma. I think that they deserve to be in there. They have a really good offense. Their defense is improving. And I think Jalen Hurts is still in the Heisman running. How can he not be? I think my fourth team, it it comes down to either Ohio State or Clemson. And that, that's really tough for me because I think Justin Fields is a really good quarterback and that defense is at Ohio State is top five in the country just based on the way they play and the star potential that they have. But you've got Clemson. Like, how can you not want them in there? That Travis Etienne, I mean, a top three running back in the, in the country. And he it proves it week in and week out. Trevor Lawrence, one of the most the, the one of the best passers that we're going to see in the next 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years. He's smart, and he knows what he's doing, and he's been there before. I, really, I like to see more teams in the playoff. I think that's the easiest answer. 
That's the politically correct answer. But I, I really want to see LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Those are my four. Um, just because I, 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 Clemson's five for me because they just haven't played anybody. That's all. That's the, I mean, that's literally the only reason they haven't played anybody. They've got, I mean, I said it from the very beginning. It's not fair for a team like that um, to be left out, but it's also not fair to put them in if they haven't beaten anybody. You've got to play somebody, right? But it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Final question here. Does Chase Young being out for Ohio State hurt them? Well, the, the suspension just got kind of lifted, not lifted, from four games to two. So um, he'll be back for Penn State. He'll be back for Michigan, and he'll be good. He already sat out one game. He's sitting out this upcoming week. You know, um, they're going to be fine. Um, Ohio State's really good. They'll be fine without him. Uh, it does hurt them, but uh, it really only hurts him the most because all of a sudden we're in, hearing some whispers, Chase Young for Heisman, Chase Young for Heisman. We're going to see a defensive Heisman. Well, absolutely not anymore. Absolutely not anymore. But um, speaking of the Heisman, let's, let's see. Let's see what we've got here. My top three picks, who I thought the three guys at the end of the year were going to be in the Heisman race and in, in – uh, Contention for it at the very end of the year. Tua, 2,584 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, three interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. But I'm sorry, the game against LSU really hurt you. Every guy has a game like that. Saquon Barkley, his senior year, had a game. Uh, I think it was, uh, it wasn't against Ohio State. Uh, maybe it was. I had the touchdown return for a touchdown. Uh, the t- uh, touchdown return on the kickoff for a touchdown. Uh, but after that, nothing really for Saquon Barkley. That was kind of his game that knocked him down a peg. Tua... His game against LSU, he didn't get the job done. He was coming, and he's coming off an injury, so that's a little tough. Give him some slack, right? Okay. Justin Fields, 1,859 passing yards, 27 touchdown passes, one interception. That is insane. 27 to 1 ratio? That's gross. But he's just not putting up the yards. 347 rushing yards for him and 10 touchdowns. The man accounts for 37 touchdowns. 37 as a quarterback. That's... Jonathan Taylor, my last guy here, who I picked, 1,259 rushing yards, 15 touchdown runs, and four receiving touchdowns. Here is who the Heisman frontrunner is as of right now. Will he win it? Well, people are saying it's his to lose. Do you believe him? I don't know. 3,198 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, four interceptions. Right now, frontrunner with four ranked wins. I think that's where it stands out. Four ranked wins, that's impressive. Throughout one season, and you've still got the SEC Championship game, plus more, that's impressive. This upcoming week, the biggest games on the schedule. What do we got here? We've got number 23, Notre Dame. uh, Number 23, Navy, at number 16, Notre Dame. Excuse me. This is a game where Notre Dame, if they're not on every part of their game, they will lose. Navy can win this game very easily. If the, I mean, Navy plays a weird style of, of football. They could go into Notre Dame and beat them. The biggest game, the absolute biggest game of the week, number four, Georgia at number 12, Auburn. If Georgia loses this game, they're out. No chance. If Georgia wins this game by, I'll say, a touchdown or more, 10 points or more, Georgia gets in. 
Put it down. Mark it down right now. Mark it down. If Georgia beats Auburn on the road by 10 or more points, Georgia gets in no matter what happens. It's, that's bold. That's bold. Number eight, Minnesota at number 20. Iowa, this determines Minnesota's season. This game right here. Can you go into Kinnick and win? You are an undefeated team, and you need to win. This is Iowa's Super Bowl. Iowa is a very good team. And they play really well at home. I'm excited to see how this pans out. But if Minnesota wins this game, if Minnesota beats Iowa on the road, Minnesota, you got I mean, they've got to go ahead of Oregon. They've got to go ahead of um Utah. They're undefeated. They would then have beaten two ranked teams in a row. One at home, one on the road. Next big game, number 10, Oklahoma at number 13, undefeated Baylor. Oklahoma's going on the road for this game. Oklahoma going on the road. I think if they win this game, they go back up. So let's just say Minnesota wins. Let's say Georgia, Minnesota, and Oklahoma win. Georgia moves up to three. Minnesota moves up to probably six. And Oklahoma, I think, moves to seven or eight. I don't know if they're going to move Georgia, uh, uh, Utah, or Oregon back, but we'll see. Um, Oregon's playing at home against Arizona, and Oregon number six in the country. They're going to win that game. So will they move them back? I don't know. I don't know. That's all we've got right now for college football here on the Late Night Sports Podcast. We are 30 minutes in, and we're, I mean, we're not we're about halfway done with the show here. We've got NFL, we've got NBA, we got NHL, and we got NASCAR still coming. But we're gonna cover NFL here real quickly. This past week in the NFL, we had the Raiders beat the Chargers 26-24. The Bears beat the Lions 20-13. The Ravens just mollywopped the Bengals. The Bengals still winless 49 to 13 final score Ravens 7 to 2 on the season Bengals 0 and 9 the Browns maybe maybe starting to figure things out I don't know the Bills now have three losses the Browns at home beat the Bills 19 to 16 Browns 3 and 6 on the year the Titans beat the Chiefs 35 32 Mahomes came back after uh his injury and just couldn't get it done. Six and four on the season for the Chiefs. The Falcons go into New Orleans and stun the Saints. 26 to 9, final score. And Matt Ryan passed for two touchdowns. And the Atlanta Falcons, they were on a 16 losing streak no longer. Falcons 2 and 7 on the season. Saints 7 and 2. The Jets beat the Giants in the Battle of uh, New Jersey. 34 to 27. The Buccaneers beat the Cardinals 30 to 27 in uh, two teams that have three wins on the season. The Dolphins get their second win of the season, 16 to 12 over the five and four Colts. The Packers eight and two on the season now after a win, 24 to 16 over the Panthers. The Steelers really starting to figure things out. They're five and four on the season. Who could have seen that coming? 17. 12 victory over the Rams. What's going on with the 5 and 4 Rams? The Vikings 28-24 victory over the Cowboys on the road. Kirk Cousins gets his first road win against a team with an over 500 record. Wow. 28-24 final score. 
The Seahawks get the best of the 49ers. The 49ers fall in their uh, first game. They lose their first game of the season, 8-1 on the year, 27-24 in overtime. Both teams got the ball twice in overtime, twice. And the Seahawks get a game-winning field goal, 42-yarder. Seahawks 8-2, 49ers 8-1. That week, the Broncos, Patriots, Eagles, Redskins, Jags, and Texans had bye weeks. Interesting news coming out of Redskin camp. Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter behind center for the remainder of the year for the Washington Redskins. So let's uh, let's look ahead here. What do we've got this upcoming week? Well, the Steelers are going to Cleveland for Thursday night football. That's later tonight. Later tonight, Thursday, November uh, 14th. Cleveland is a three-point favorite. Three-point favorite, and they have two less wins. We'll see... uh, We'll see how that goes. Tickets, $58. Might have to might have to drive up to Cleveland and see a game there. 28 degrees. Steelers, Browns, 8-20 start. Then we've got on Sunday, Cowboys, Lions, Jags at Colts, Bills at Dolphins in a divisional matchup, Broncos at Vikings, Saints at Buccaneers, Jets at Redskins, Falcons at Panthers, Texans at Ravens, Cardinals at the 49ers, Bengals, Raiders, Patriots at the Eagles, Bears at the Rams, and Chiefs at the Jags. This week we've got the Packers, Titans, Giants, and Seahawks on the bye. And it uh, looks like uh, some big games there. I, I think really one of the big ones is Steelers-Browns because if the Steelers can win this game, then they start making a playoff push for the wild card. They're two game, they'd be one, maybe two games back of the Baltimore Ravens for that divisional spot. I think it's interesting there. Another big game, I think... Um, it, it, uh, a big one here would be the Texans-Ravens. The Ravens are four-point favorites at home. Over-under set at 50 points. Ravens 7-2 on the season. Texans 6-3. Can Deshaun Watson go into Baltimore and knock them off? I don't know. The Patriots-Eagles. Can the Patriots uh, make the Eagles 5-5 five five, uh, on the season? It's possible. The Patriots are playing really well. They did uh, have a bye week last week, and they came off the loss of the Ravens. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites this week. And um, I think, let me see here, what the biggest spread that we've got here. We've got a couple ten-and-a-halves. Let's see if we've got an 11. No, we do not. So the ten-and-a-half, we've got the Vikings as ten-and-a-half-point favorites over the Broncos. We've got... Washington, one point five favorite, a one and a half point favorites over the Jets at home in Landover, Maryland. We've got the 49ers are ten and a half point favorites over the Cardinals. Um, wow, I really like the 49ers. Um, but I'm t- I'm gonna tell you right now, straight up, taking the Cardinals with the points. I ten to beat the Cardinals with eleven points. Kyler Murray, you never know what they're gonna do. And then uh, the last one will be the Raiders at ten and a half point favorites over the Bengals. At the um, in Oakland, the Raiders five and four, Bengals zero and nine. Those are the games of the week um, for the NFL. Let's uh, let's do some power rankings here. What do we got? What do we got? So right now, going into this week, who are my top five teams in the NFL? Who do I not want to play? The Patriots still number one. They are one of the best offenses 
in the league, the best one of the best defenses in the league. Their plus minus is 172. That means they're scoring a lot more points than they're giving up. The Ravens are dangerous because of their offense. They've got a lot of weapons, and somehow the defense just continues to improve week in and week out. The Packers, um, I think this week they're going to be going all out. They're going to be going. Uh, excuse me, they're not. They're on the bye this week, but I think. They are still up there in my, my power rankings. They are going to be going for that number one seed in the NFC, and I think that's going to motivate them moving forward. My number four team, they have one loss on the season. Their plus minus is 130. The San Francisco 49ers are my number four team going into the week of my weekly power rankings. And then the Vikings are 4-0 at home this season. The Vikings uh, are starting to figure it out. Kirk Cousins is really starting to figure it out. And uh, the Vikings are playing the Broncos, as we mentioned. They're 4-0 at home this season, and I can't see them falling. I wouldn't want to be seeing them. Their defense up front is really, really solid. And then you've got Dalvin Cook every week, and you've got Adam Thielen, you've got Rudolph, you've got Stephon Diggs. There's Kirk Cousins finally starting to sling the ball around. Uh, it's just they're, they're, they're a really good team, and I think they're going to continue to prove that. Here's I got two questions here. I got two questions. My first one. Will the Steelers make the playoffs? The Steelers started off the season so poor. So poor. But let's let's look right now. Let's look right now. What 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 do they got? What do they got here? The Steelers are five and four. They're two games back of the Ravens. But when you look at that wild card, when you look at that wild card, it is close. The Bills have six wins. They're six and three, so they're above right now. But no other team fighting for wild card spot has six wins. Everybody else has five. Raiders, five and four. The Tennessee Titans, five and five. Indianapolis Colts, five and four. They're going to continue to beat up on each other in the AFC South. Right now, I'm going to go yes. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to win their division. They're on a four-game winning streak. I think that they make the playoffs. I think Mason Rudolph is the quarterback of the future for the the Steelers. I think they're going to start building around him now, getting some better wide receiver talent. They've already got one of the best offensive lines in in the nation. Their defense somehow is improving. They've got one of the best defenses in the league, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, what a steal of a trade that was. At first, I didn't like it. At first, I did not like it, but now I absolutely love it. I think it was genius, genius for the Steelers to make that trade. So, yes, I say the Steelers do make the playoffs this year in the 2019 season. My next one, who is the MVP at this point? I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I think he is a stellar quarterback. I think he is playing out of his mind. He's really a precision passer. He can find the open guy, and he can also run, and he does not care about getting hurt. This man is running through tackles. He's spinning in open fields. He is making guys miss, and he's looking really good. My my MVP right now at this moment, going into week, what is it? I, I don't even know. 10? Uh, week 10? No, week 11. I think I think it's week 11. I'm going Lamar Jackson. 
That is who I've got right now as my MVP. So now let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about NBA. So we'll we'll just cover some standings here as they are updated. The top eight in the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics got a victory tonight over the Washington Wizards. The Toronto Raptors, eight and three, are in second place. Miami Heat, seven and three, right behind them, tied with the Milwaukee Bucks at seven and three. The Philadelphia 76ers, 7-4. Pacers, 7-4. And, and then 7-8. and 4-6 records for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks in 7th and 8th place under 500. But still in that playoff contention. Obviously, it's super early and things will most definitely change. But the Miami Heat are really whooping up on uh, their own division. And conference, 4-0 in conference play. The Boston Celtics have played eight games in conference out of their first 10 games, and they're 7-1 on the season. They lead the Eastern Conference in points per game with 116, which is looks like fourth, maybe fifth, fifth overall in the uh, entire NBA. They're on a nine-game winning streak, and the Boston Celtics, man, they are looking good right now. They are 4-1 in road games, which is always a very cool stat there. If you ever watch a team, how do they play on the road? Well, they're 4-1 away, 5-0 at home. In the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James and company are 9-2. They are in first place. The Houston Rockets, 8-3, just one game back. The Utah Jazz are in third place, 8-3, tied with the Houston Rockets. The Denver Nuggets, Nuggets are fourth place, seven and three record. The Clippers, the favorites to win it all, are in fifth place, seven and four record. The Minnesota Timberwolves, seven and four. Dallas Mavericks in seventh, uh, with a six and four record. And the Phoenix Suns are in eighth, with a six and four record. Two and a half games back of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are five and one at home, four and one in road games and the only team on the western conference who is undefeated in conference games would be the houston rockets they're six and zero on the season so that is a look around the nba standings so what do we got now well let's talk nhl really quickly here we've got the eastern conference with the boston bruins leading the atlantic division 11-3-4 record, 26 points. Montreal Canadiens right below them, 10-5-3, 23 points. Tied with the Florida Panthers with 23 points. So we'll switch over here to the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. The Capitals off to a very hot start. Their last 10, they're 8-0-2 with a 14-2-4 uh, record, 32 points. Leading, let's see here, everybody. Every team, the Capitals are the top, but they have also played 20 games so far this season. The New York Islanders have played 17 games, 13-3-1 record, 27 points overall. Then right below them, the Philadelphia Flyers, who fell to the Capitals tonight, 10-5-3 record, 23 points. And the Pittsburgh Penguins below them through 18 games, 10-6-2 Overall record, 22 points. Switch over to the Western Conference here. The St. Louis Blues in the Central Division. They are leading it, 12-3-4 record, 28 points. 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. They just lost one last night. The Colorado Avalanche, 18 games, 11 wins, 5 losses, and 2 overtime losses, 24 points. The Nashville Predators, 9-6-3 with 21 points sitting in 3rd place in the Central Division of the Western Conference of the NHL. 
The Pacific Division now, the Western Conference, the Edmonton Oilers lead it. 12-6-2 record, 26 points. The Coyotes, 11-6-2 record, 24 points. Right below them, a tie for third place, Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, 10-6-3 for the Canucks, 23 points. And the Calgary Flames, 10-8-3. 23 points so that is a look around the sports world here on the late night sports podcast i want to thank you guys all so much for tuning in but guess what it's not over just yet let's let's uh let's switch over here let's talk a little bit of nascar with our nascar insider jake flatley we're here on the late night sports podcast with our nascar insider jake flatley jake how you doing buddy I'm well, and how about yourself, Cody? Man, I'm doing great. We're coming down the home stretch here with the NASCAR season. We've got one week remaining, but let's go over the past couple weeks. We had uh, a big race at Texas, and then last this past week at Phoenix in Texas, there was a lot going on, and Kevin Harvick came away with the win, and you know he punched his ticket for Homestead, Miami, but there was some controversy in that race that we'll talk about in a little bit, but... For Kevin Harvick, a guy that doesn't really win races, uh, you know, as much as like a guy like Kyle Busch, things like that, he usually stays in the top 10. That's about it. And top five, things like that. But how big was it for him to get that win and lock up Homestead? Oh, that was big time. And uh, obviously, the second to last race in the round, he was able to lock that thing up. And, and before that day, if you just look at the. Obviously, the Fords went one, two, three, four in that Texas race, and Stewart Haas Racing went one, two, three, and then their Fords car was 11th with Clint Boyer. Impressive performance by Ford, and honestly, I think Ford's going to carry a lot of momentum here into the championship race in Miami. After all, it is called the Ford EcoBoost 400, and they'll need it because Kevin Harvick is the only Ford in the championship four. And the other three drivers are just getting racing. Toyotas. It's gonna it's gonna be a great race to watch. But how about in that race? It came down, um, you know, towards the very end, and Bubba Wallace spun out intentionally to bring out a caution that really ultimately helped Kevin Harvick. And today, uh, the fine came down fifty thousand dollars to Bubba Wallace for that intentional spin. Wasn't that something? And honestly. They find him, I believe, because he actually said something about it. I don't think he, he kind of forced NASCAR's hand to do something when he admitted the next day or the next week that he, he did it. I don't know if you saw his comments to NBC Sports, but, uh, yeah, he said, who hasn't done it? <laughs> Which I know in the past we all kind of realized that sometimes it's actually done on purpose, but really no one really says anything about it. This time he admitted to it. No other choice but to find him, and it ultimately did help Mr. Harvey. Yeah, and I, I just, it just seems like a weird concept to me to, to wreck on purpose, and the way he did it was just, it, it, it made no, I mean, it was super obvious, but... Um, <laughs> We'll move on from that. Last week at Phoenix, Denny Hamlin, it, you know, raced the, the wheels off the car and a- ended up winning and locking up that spot. Got his sixth win of the year. So when it comes down to it, we've got the final four. We've got Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, and Kyle Busch. Denny Hamlin had six wins in the ra- uh, this year. Kevin Harvick four, Martin Truex seven, and Kyle Busch four. Do you think that to win the chase, you're going to have to win this race? 
Yeah, I mean, every every year since they changed it to this format where the top finisher in the final four wins the cup, every single year the, the driver has won it, and they're going to have to win it again. Uh, the only other driver out of the four that I can see moving up and potentially winning out would probably be Joey Logano, but I do think it'll come down to the four. Uh, you look at Phoenix, and I hate to say this, Cody, but I think a lot of people on Twitter would agree, and you look at some of the polls from the Jeff Buck, the NASCAR writer does, but it was it a good race, but Phoenix was one of the worst races of the year. I about fell asleep watching it. Uh, just, there's only one, I mean, one pass for the lead, one lead change. Benny Hamlin dominated that thing. Yeah, hats off to him. He really did drive the wheels off that thing. He needed a win to get in, and he got one. And you're looking at a situation with Denny Hamlin. He's one of the uh, one of those drivers in NASCAR history with the most wins, but without a championship. Will he be the next Mark Martin? We'll see. But he has a chance for a title on Sunday. With that race and Phoenix being so boring and so just, I mean, lackluster, do you think that NASCAR will change that up a little bit in the future and just maybe take that race out of the chase or, you know, go a different way? Um, well, they're definitely not taking it out, uh, but they could change the package for the cars in the race. Next year, it was announced with their uh, different scheduling in 2020 that Phoenix is actually going to be the championship race. And now as far as 2021 and beyond, where there's supposed to be major schedule uh, rehauls, and, and I'm not exactly sure, but uh, 2021 is a crucial year for NASCAR in terms of scheduling and the new the new car, the next uh, generation car is coming out in 2021, and that's when they can open up the scheduling uh, so it will be a defining year for the sport, but definitely Phoenix next year. They probably should work on the package. Yeah, because I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. It wasn't really that entertaining of a race. So you know, this weekend they're in Homestead, and I'll I'll ask you a question here. How important is your your starting spot? How big is qualifying this week? Oh, I think it, it it's it's crucial. Uh, among the, you know, the championship four at least, because um, you never know, you could see a race like Phoenix where once you get out front, you're just hard to catch. So I know those guys are going to be battling up front. And uh, it's just interesting to see, especially with this format. You never, the like we mentioned, the championship four drivers that usually come out on top and win, but could there be a non-championship driver that mixes it up with them and kind of makes it difficult for guys to get to the front? I guess we'll see, but it's three teammates, Truex, Hamlin, Bush, of Joe Gibbs competing against one Ford. So Harvick is going to need someone else other than those three to be up there in the pack with them to potentially help towards the end. Maybe a Joey Logano in a Ford. Do you think that a teammate of maybe Kevin Harvick or somebody from the field would potentially, you know, wreck one of those other guys maybe to advance his own guy type of thing? Or would we not even see that at all? Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to see that here in the final race, especially maybe if it was Martinsville where 
short track and they're all together, but I just can't see something like that in the championship. Of course, we saw that crazy wreck at the, the restart at the end of a few years ago when Carl Edwards choked away a championship, and then it went to Jimmy Johnson, and he got his seventh. Uh, but I, I ultimately don't see that. I think it'll be a lot of clean racing. I think these four drivers respect each other. They've been, ultimately, Cody, they've been the best four drivers all, all year long, and I think the traditionalist NASCAR fans that complain about the format can't complain this year because these have been the best four drivers, and um, and they're all they're all veterans, really. There's no young guns this year. No, absolutely not. And yeah, I just mentioned, uh, but, I mean, between them, you've got 21 wins between these top four guys. So the old chase um, format or the new one, these guys are most likely getting to that final race no matter what. When when you when you think about these four guys, you know, you've got, you, like you said, older guys. But when it comes down to it, which guy is most likely to, you know, the bumpins racing and, you um, Put the pedal down a little bit harder to somebody's back. Oh, well, it's got to be Kyle Busch out of the four. You, you probably think, uh, but maybe maybe a Denny Hamlin. But uh, ultimately, I'm not exactly sure. You know, in this race, I'm 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 leaning one way, but it could be with my heart. Um, but really, when you look at the odds in Vegas, they're all even, and they all have odds. And it's just a tough one to figure out this year because all four have been really good, and they've all done equally good things. But the one thing that sticks out to you is Kyle Busch on a winless streak. He hasn't won in a few months. And then uh, Harvick, obviously, being the only sport out of the four, it'll, I think it'll be a great battle and a great thing to watch on the big NBC on Sunday. All right, now here's a here's a pretty elaborate question here for you. So, all right, let's just say one of these guys gets the poll, so they get to pick their, their pit road spot first. Do you, as one of the other three guys, do you pick a poll, uh, a pit stop closer to them to maybe to make sure that you're within seconds of them at all times? Or do you try to go the other way and get as far away from them as possible and try to make up time? I just think it depends on... I, I think they'll pick the best possible uh, pit uh, box available, and I don't think they'll really worry about the others until they really have to. Alrighty, we are here on the Late Night Sports Podcast with our NASCAR insider, Jake Flatley. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jake Flatley. Now, you know, it's coming down to it. Give us your pick. Who is going to win, or who's going to win the race, and who's going to win the chase? Well, I'll make, uh, I'm rooting for Denny Hamlin to get his first championship of Virginia boy you probably like that yep and but I'm going to pick drum roll Kevin Harvick Kevin Harvick okay lock it in in, in the shaking his fist and all the Toyotas and uh what about you Cody uh I don't know I mean he's he's one of my least favorite drivers but he is a, he <laughs> he is he's good 
He he's got 26 top 10 finishes this year, 16 top five finishes, and four wins. I think I've got to go. Kyle Busch wins the chase this year. That's just I, I like it. I got a lot. Uh, I I've, I've been riding him pretty much all chase, and he hasn't gotten a win. He's still here. So that's that's where I, I gotta like go with. It. Yep, that's where I gotta go with. Um, Jake, our our final interview will be next week. We're gonna have to find another way to get you on the show here uh, on the Late Night Sports Podcast. But I gotta thank you for being with us for the past uh, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. It's been fun, brother. We'll get one more in and recap the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Jake, thank you so much for being on the Late Night Sports Podcast. You're welcome anytime. All right, brother. Boogity, boogity. Boogity, boogity. And that was our interview with our NASCAR insider, Jake Flally. It was all, it's always great to have him on. He knows what he's talking about. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Jake Flally. Uh, Jake, I got to say thank you so much for being on with the show. All, all Basically, the entire time I've had the podcast running, you've been all about it, and I'm totally, you know, I, I love it. I love the support, and I love talking NASCAR. It's awesome. We're going to try to get you on somehow, some way here in the future, talking maybe about a different sport. I know you know a ton of them, so we'll do it. Um, try to get things rolling. Uh, please follow me on Twitter, Cody underscore Shook. Follow Jake Flatley on Twitter, at Jake Flatley. We're constantly talk, tweeting about sports. We love sports. We we at least think we know what we're talking about. You know, you know, sports is such a crazy thing. Um, you know, one thing one day, and you don't know it the next. It's 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 crazy like that. But that was episode number thirty six of the Late Night Sports Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud. I want to thank you guys all so much for tuning in. We uh, it was a great show, about just about an hour long. I really appreciate um, if you could like or subscribe, or whatever it is, uh, make sure you give it five stars and throw out a comment there uh, if you like it. Please tell your friends to tune in every week here on the Late Night Sports Podcast. We're going to see if we can have shows more often. You know I really want to, just sometimes the schedule just doesn't line up the way I really want it to, but I'm trying to stick to at least at least once a week maybe we can have some emergency emergency shows moving forward so that way we can get back on some sort of you know more daily type of thing even if they're quicker shows thank you guys all so much for tuning into the late night sports podcast with cody shook have a great rest of your day